Hello, and welcome to the Unwokable Podcast. I am your host, Mark Owsley, and I have a, a story to share with you today that I just put up uh, on my Unwokable Substack at unwokable.substack.com. And I think you're going to find it very interesting because I think that I've gathered enough proof just through a simple toggle or a simple click of an email icon from higheredjobs.com to show that at least in terms of marketing and in terms of recruitment, universities are actively discriminated against people who do not agree with DEI politics, critical race theory politics. Now, I think it's been pretty self-explanatory through stories like Charles Nagy, which I uh, just did a recent podcast on that you should check out, um, and some of the things I'll talk about in, in this video that there's been kind of an open discrimination against anyone who might dissent to DEI ideology on a college campus. But there is also the issue of whether or not they are discriminating against people who might want a job and don't have one yet, right? And so I wrote up this article based upon some of the work I've been doing, and uh, I want to share my expanded thoughts with you on this video and and some of the things I found. Um, but before we get into that, please, if you like my content, uh, please like this video, subscribe to this channel and share this video, comment below, let me know your thoughts. If you have any further uh, evidence that you may want to share uh, on this topic, please Please share this out because I, I want to continue bringing you this content and this information as I find it. And in order to do that, I need your support. So please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing this channel. And that would be greatly appreciated. All right, let's get into this. So uh, I'm going to kind of use the article here as a, as a, as a template uh, to take you through what I found on the website, higheredjobs.com. Now, what this what this website is, is anyone who's interested in a, in a professorship, uh, adjunct professorship, or any faculty job in higher ed probably uses a, this site or a site like it. And for the last year and a half or so, I've been using it just to see and, uh, you know, to apply for jobs and see what's open. And there has been a slow de deluge or a slow trickle of DEI jobs themselves, like in DEI offices that have come out. And usually those will be marked with a D at the bottom, which is already kind of suspicious um, because it says, okay, this is a diversity, equity, and inclusion focused job, meaning most of the time, meaning that it is a job in one of those kinds of offices. And I have seen anecdotal evidence recently uh, that there are other jobs being marked that way, but I did not have the wealth of evidence that I've just gathered over the last week or two uh, to show that this isn't limited to just jobs in diversity, equity, inclusion offices on campus. This is, you have universities actively promoting their jobs 
in all fields as DEI compliant jobs. And what this says to any aspiring college professor or, you know, even a staff member, because those jobs are posted here too, is that if you don't agree with this message, you need not apply. And that is a concerning, that's a concerning trend considering that we already have a wealth of data to show that there's a center-left bias. And we'll kind of get into that in the article in a minute. But if that bias is already there, what are colleges doing to keep those who might dissent out of the academy? to keep the institutions pure, if you will. They're doing a lot, and it's primarily, at least at the base level, at the, at the beginning stages, through these kinds of websites and through these kinds of job postings. It's a preemptive strike on academic freedom and equal opportunity, if you will, in, in the academy. So um, I'm just going to kind of take you through. So I, I, I begin the article just basically saying I've been working on a project recently where I've been kind of, I, I've been documenting and creating a database for DEI across the country. Where are, are these institutions implanting themselves specific to higher education institutions, whether that be community college, colleges, universities, all of the above. And as I began this process, I was, I was faced with that question that I just discussed that, okay, there are already, there's already a documented left-leaning bias in the universities. We know that. It's, it's, uh, and in, in this, I, cite a study from 2018 that the Daily Wire actually just recently highlighted that that pr proves this. Now, we have to draw a distinction, though. A left-leaning, and I believe the study was from 2018, so before the massive critical turn of the universities that happened 19, uh, 2019 into 2020 and beyond, we have to understand that a center-left or a left bias in the universities does not necessarily mean that you have a critical social justice bend in that demographic form. But there's, there's some things here that we have to discuss before I dive into this information. So, and I, and I present it this way. I pre first, I present the fact that, yes, there's a left-leaning uh, left bias. But I also come out with questions, okay, about... You know, since higher ed is already overwhelmingly biased towards one political viewpoint, is there a need for CRT DEI motivated discrimination at all in higher ed? And yes, there is, because as I cite here, I talk about Charles Nagy. Charles Nagy is a professor of psychology at uh, the University of Central Florida, and he experienced the probably the first wave of the critical social justice inquisition, if you will. And 
this is not, and his case is really good to understand the distinction between a left-leaning bias in a university system and then a critical social justice mandate or a critical social justice commitment within those same individuals, which there is an intersection, if you will, between that. And Dr. Nagy's situation goes to show that there was a concerted effort at the beginning of the critical turn, 2019-2020, to scare faculty members into silence, even those with a left-leaning, or especially those with a left-leaning bias. And if you've been in the if you've been in the academy, if you've been in the universities, as I was, you saw this um, intimidation factor start to materialize. At the University of Oklahoma, there was it was there was a series of events that began in 2019 through the OU Daily, which is the school newspaper, and they they would start calling out what I called manufactured outrage incidents in many, in many instances. And some of them, some of them were documented, you know, we had an issue with a young girl on campus who uh, was singing along with a rap song and said the N word. And she was ceremoniously shown the door. Uh, her life was ruined. And Again, this is all about impact over intent, right? Because the claim here was that this girl's TikTok video where she was singing along with a song and she said a word she probably shouldn't have said, but it was in the song. The impact of that on the marginalized community at the university was so overwhelming that she must be called out and that instance of racism must be used as a cudgel throughout the institution to make students understand that they are targets for even the smallest amount of perceived racism and the impact that can cause, as opposed to the intent that she had, which wasn't, she wasn't trying to be racist. She was singing along with a song. She's being a stupid kid. And I believe she was a sophomore, maybe even a freshman. So this distinction of impact over intent has been then weaponized further into instances in the classroom on campus, right? And this is what Dr. Nagy faced. He, he taught a class that was, uh, he's a psychology professor that basically broke down, you know, these, the ways that demographic groups by race, gender, all, all of these things, scientifically act in given situations and, and, in, and in cultural situations. And everything he does is based on hard science. But after, the, and you got to also keep in mind that Dr. Nagy was in, he was in this institution for 20 years teaching the same class. And, you know, he might have had a little complaint here and there, but everyone understood that what he was talking about was rooted in data, it was rooted in science, it was rooted in logical thought, 
And so he didn't have a problem until the emergence of critical social justice as a dominating force in the university. And it's important here to underscore that Dr. Nagy is, you know, comes from a partially Hispanic background. He's a gay man who has a husband. And he was still targeted through this inquisition that happened after, pretty much after the George Floyd incident and how that was then used across the country to start weeding people out of institutions that might disagree with this ideology. Now, Dr. Nagy was summarily, although a tenured professor, he was fired, ran out of a rail, his career was ruined, and since then has won several battles to actually have his position reinstated because what they did to him was illegal. They, 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 the college president there started demanding that he or started started fishing for instances that could get him in trouble that that the university could use then to get rid of him. Now, up to this point, he'd had a stellar reputation. He had had uh, largely overwhelmingly positive reviews in his classes. and But what he did is he tweeted out the wrong things and became a target. And his left of center political status, which he, he held at the time for sure, or, you know, the way that we thought of being left of center at that point, and his intersectional qualifications in terms of his background, his sexual preferences, and things like that did not protect him, because it was obvious to the critical social justice apparatus at the university that he was not going to fall in line to what the new moral mandates for the university were. So that's a little bit of background of, of the first question I had, which was, is there even a reason to study this? Because if the universities are overwhelmingly left-leaning as of 2018, then DEI wouldn't have a reason to discriminate against people to get them out. But as we can see with Charles Nagy, that's obviously not the case because having a left-leaning bias does not mean that you will not be subject to the critical social justice inquisition. So, and I, and I, if you want to check out my other video here, based college professors unite to take on DEI, Dr. Nagy talks about that and his instance, and we go into some other things. But that brought brings me to my second question when doing this research and doing this kind of data collection. If there is CRT, DEI-motivated discrimination against those like Dr. Nagy, who might dissent, you know, where would it live? And where could I find it? And I thought this was going to be a difficult undertaking, but it turned out to not be a very difficult undertaking. And it goes into, all the clues are right there in the name of the institution that's been brought on campus to enact this identity-based viewpoint discrimination against those who might dissent being on the university campus as, as employees or being allowed 
on university campuses as employees. So it was an interesting situation. And I, I've always I've always known, especially since diving in earlier, you know, a couple of years ago into the the meaning of the words diversity, equity, inclusion, how they're presented to the public as being these virtuous things, but in actuality, the way that those words are defined in terms of operation differ completely. They use these words to fool and manipulate the higher-ups in universities, the general public to say, this is good. You don't want to be against diversity, right? Because if you do, you're racist. You don't want to be against equity because that's the same as equal opportunity, which it's not. And inclusion, who wouldn't want everyone to be included? Well, I had kind of a fortuitous situation. You know, I was doing some research and I don't know about you, but I, I it's hard for me to concentrate if it's a completely silent room. So I'll often put on YouTube videos in the background, you know, uh, uh, whether it's, it can be anything, but usually it's something focused. It's James Lindsay or it's Brett Weinstein or it's, uh, you know, even sometimes just funny videos just to keep something on in the background. Well, I had done this and this portion of my article gets into how I stumbled upon because I'm not a lawyer, although I have a lot of experience dealing with legal situations, it's not, and have studied a lot of that. I am not a lawyer, but what popped up, and I, and I, I label this as the algorithm gibbet, because after one of the videos I had put on and I'd chosen, what popped up was a video it was a question and answer session, I believe, by the Heritage Foundation with uh, late Justice Antonin Scalia. And he was talking about one of his books, and I think it was The Language of Law. Um, I'll have to check on the exact book. But his whole premise was, you know, he was obviously a textualist. And and it the, the way he was approaching the conversation was that we need to not, that, that words have meaning, especially in the law and in that context, right? And so if there is, if if a judge is at a point where they're trying to decipher what the intent of a law was, which is their job, right? They have to go back to the definitions of the words as they were written. And you've seen in postmodernism and what I just described in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, there's this concerted effort to manipulate language, to make it manipulative so they can, so this, this ideology can implant itself by literally tricking and manipulating the people into accepting something that they wouldn't ordinarily accept if they understood what was happening. And so you get this kind of crosstalk, and there is a great concern for this in, in the law, because all law is built off language. So I was sitting there, and I was doing some work, and up popped this video, and Judge Anson and Scalia 
starts talking. And what caught my attention was this Latin phrase that he uttered. And it was, inclusio unis est exclusio alterius. And he then, he then gave the definition of what this means. And it perked my attention. I had to go back and rewind. But here's what he says. He, he literally quoted this. He says, in, the word inclusion in terms of the law is defined this way, using this Latin phrase, inclusio unis est exclusio alterius. The inclusion of one is the exclusion of another. The certain designation of one person is an absolute exclusion of all others. And again, not being a lawyer, this hit me like a ton of bricks because I've seen a lot of seen a lot of attempts to define the way that the word inclusion is used. And you know, James Lindsay does an excellent job, and he he may even mention this to an extent. But the way that Justice Scalia talked about it was very plain, was that if you are talking about the inclusion of one group, it automatically, legally, implies or even explicitly states the exclusion of all other named uh, unnamed groups. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks because it was, okay, if I'm looking for discrimination in the university and they're using the word inclusion and they're using it as this kind of catch-all for we're going to accept everybody, that's not what they mean. And and I, I mention here that thanks to the literal months worth of narrative talking heads, saying that critical race theory is an outgrowth of critical legal studies and is primarily studied by college graduate law students, which all law students are graduates, by the way, because you get a Juris doctorate, you have to have a bachelor's degree. So already there's just a little bit of trickery there. And I had studied this before, but, but thanks to that narrative, it just hit me that they are using a word as its legal definition but presenting it as a colloquial definition to say, no, we want everybody. But the legal definition actually means to exclude anyone other than who it is that they want to include. That's the legal definition. So the answer was kind of right. The the first part of the answer to my question, which was, you know, uh, if there if there is CRTDI motivated discrimination, against people like Dr. Nagy, where does it live? It lives in the word inclusion. And it lives in the legal definition of the word inclusion. Which again, I'll read it one more time. The inclusion of one is the exclusion of another. The certain designation of one person is an absolute exclusion of all others. That's how they're weaponizing this. So after instances like Charles Nagy and several others throughout the universe, Brett Weinstein is a great example, that were 
even Jordan Peterson in Canada. Now it's a different law system there, but based off the same kind of language-based, which all law is, is language-based system of defining what the law is and what it says. It had become obvious to me, and I think obvious to the general public, without much digging in, that those professors who thought this was bad enough to disagree had already been purged, right? Brett Weinstein was ran off. Jordan Peterson recently quit. Charles Nagy was fired, but is now back. And what that did to the general population of those left-leaning individuals, those classically classical liberal left-leaning professors, was it, it sent a, a very stark and cold message that either you walk the plank or either you toe the line or you walk the plank. And based upon the fact that there hasn't been a deluge of university, especially university tenured professors who might have the ability to actually fight this, coming out and speaking against it, they had gotten the message, right? They knew that in order to keep their career and to keep themselves free from all, you know, outrage and, and the inquisition that might be against them, they now understood that they had to keep silent and were doing so. So then I had to go to where does this live? And what are they doing now that they have basically kind of sealed off those who are already in the institution? They're either towing the line if they do disagree or they're just completely on board with DEI's messaging, right? Those faculty members that are still on campus that haven't been fired. Well, I drew from my own experience of having applied and, and to, to jobs over the course of the last year and a half. And a new trend has been since 2020 is the inclusion, if you will, of DEI statements that you have to include with your application process when you're applying for higher ed jobs. and. Where, if if you're not in the institution, the only way you can get into the institution is to apply. And so what the word inclusion now has done is shifted from the university proper, where they're dealing with people on campus, because over the last two years, they've, they've rooted them out or they've silenced them. And now they've moved it all towards the front end, which is the hiring process. And it's very hard to prove why you didn't get a job, right? That That's the thing that I had to contend with as well, is, you know, it's not uncommon for a new doctoral, uh, someone who's just been, who gotten a doctorate to be turned down by a multitude of different jobs. Uh, and, you know, you may apply for a hundred, get three interviews and maybe get one of them. That's not, out of the ordinary, depending on your field, especially if you aren't coming from a higher level or what they they perceive as a you know an Ivy League institution or something like that, or you haven't been you haven't been published in in journals and things like depending on your field, right? But 
with the inclusion of these DEI statements, it offered another layer of things that could be the reason why as to, uh, could be the reason why you weren't chosen for the job, but that is very difficult to prove. And even if you were to FOIA some information like that, you're going to look like a, <laughs> you're going to look like a whiner if you didn't get the job. And then they could also paint you as racist as saying, well, you just think you should got the job because you're white or you're male or whatever it may be. And so they've kind of set you up. So I thought it was going to be very difficult to prove that there was this kind of discrimination in the hiring process. But this is what has led me to the recruitment aspect of the job process through websites like higher ed jobs. And as I have mentioned before, I had seen many postings and they have a little D at the bottom, a circle D that said that indicates this is a diversity, equity, and inclusion job posting. But there was no indication in those postings where that designation came from. It could have come from the actual website or could have come from the universities themselves. And obviously the operative legal issue there, if you're going to try to say, take them to court, it gives both sides a little bit of plausible deniability if they were to go there. You know, the one could say, you know, the institution, the university could say, well, the, the website did that because we mentioned diversity and inclusion in the posting. Or the, the, the website could say, well, they, you know, the, the exact same thing. Just in, in the reverse. But here's the issue that I found, or here's the, the information that I found is really blatant. And I found it just by clicking a single button in the higher ed jobs account tab that says, you know, you can click several buttons. You want to get information on, you know, staffing jobs, or you want to get information on, and these come in the form of emails sent to your directly to your inbox in your email account. So I, I had not clicked the first tab out of this series of four or five, where you can get these individual emails that said you could receive the DEI emails. And so I was like, well, I might as well. And I did. And what happened was, is I got this deluge, this, this river of job postings from all, all kinds of uh, higher ed institutions all over the United States, public, private, you know, uh, community colleges, upper tier universities, all of the above of DEI specified jobs. Now here's the interesting part. They were not just for DEI positions. There were positions in welding. There were positions in, you know, to teach welding, to, to teach fine arts, to be an administrator, to, you know, physics, to all, all covering all engineering, medicine, all specified and sent through this email by higheredjobs.com as 
DEI jobs or DEI focused jobs or DEI compliant jobs. And you can say whatever you want. You can argue that DEI is virtuous, okay? That's an argument we can have. And if you want to have it, let's have it. But one cannot argue that the DEI messaging is built around a political standpoint. It, and when I say political, I mean explicitly in terms of policy. So anything political is attached to a series of policy stances by whichever, because we're, we're in a representative democracy. So if you are supporting a Republican, you're going to tend to get more conservative-based policies as, as we define them. And if you, if you support a Democrat, you're going to get a different series of other kinds of policies, right? And just as an aside here, anti-racism is mixed in all of this because anti-racism, according to Kendi and according to DEI, is explicitly defined in terms of policies that you support or don't support. So you can either be anti-racist and support equitable policies, policies that create equity, or you can be racist and not support those policies. That's the Kafka trap, right? But it is always, whether we're talking about institutional policies or you know, public policies through, through actual government, all institutions, government, education institutions, businesses, all have policies. And DEI's only job, and I've said this many, many times, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but that their only job is to enforce the equity notion or the the equity goal of policies right that is their only reason for existence it's in their name and james lindsay says this a lot equity is the goal diversity and inclusion are the means to get there right well inclusion in this instance now that they have largely either silenced or cleansed the institution of anybody who might dissent, and I'm talking about higher ed here, inclusion has moved from the university center and, and the active, in, they're still doing it there. They're still making sure that everyone toes the line. They're still implanting DEI deans in all the colleges. They're still, you know, creating emergency bias response teams where, you know, if a student doesn't like what a teacher says, they can be reported and treated like Dr. Nagy was. They're still doing all of that. And they'll continue to do it because the work is never done, right? The work is never done. But they've shifted the focus, not even just to the hiring process through the DEI statements that you have to write. And then you get questioned on your interviews. They've now moved it to the recruitment into the job posting realm as kind of a inclusionary preemptive strike. And this is, I believe, something that has not been properly highlighted. Because the way that these jobs are now posted, regardless of the discipline, again, engineering, medicine, fine arts, journalism, you know, English, it doesn't matter. There's literally a dozen to two dozen jobs being sent to me every day from higheredjobs.com that are explicitly labeled as DEI compliant jobs. 
And so I want to just highlight this here. This is a this is a picture here of of one of the emails that I got. And this is just for one day. I get one at least every two days, if not every day. And they all have different job postings. And like I said, a dozen to two dozen or more postings in every single email. And what this says, if you think of the word inclusion, right, the legal definition of the word inclusion, they are saying that if you do not agree with this, you need not apply. It's like, it's a Jim Crow 1.0 kind of discrimination. It, it almost like putting in the window, you know, colored people need not apply back in the 60s. This is what this is. So I, I say here, you know, every day I'm treated to these emails and they exclude in the name of inclusion anyone who would not accept CRT, DEI, which is the same thing. You've got the ideology and the enforcement arm. Critical race theory is the ideology. DEI is the enforcement arm. As unquestionable moral law in their teaching and or work practices. So... For someone like me, who obviously does not agree with the moral law as stated out as being good, that DEI's ideology should be preeminent in everything that we do, which is the demand. It must be injected into everything that we do. That is saying to not just me or Dr. Nagy or anybody who has white skin or anybody who has, you know, uh, is a straight person or are all the intersectional hierarchies as they define them, anybody who disagrees with that will be less likely, if not completely discouraged from applying for this large subset of jobs that are coming out in the higher ed. And, and again, this listing seems to get bigger every time they send an email. And it includes more and more disciplines. So I want to show you... This is the this is the email right here for June eleventh, twenty twenty two, and it is as you can see diversity and inclusion job announcements. That's the title: diversity and inclusion job announcements. Here is a listing of some of the jobs, and this is just as many as I could fit in the screen, to be honest. Okay, so and I actually. I doubled up and didn't notice it. I'm going to have to fix that. But just, just an example. You've got adjunct faculty for public health job at South University in Montgomery, Alabama. This is Alabama. You've got Northeastern State University of Louisiana in an instructor, professor of education. You've got area coordinator, in, uh, where is it, Warthburg College in Iowa. You've got a men's soccer coach at Carroll Community College in Westminster, Maryland. These are just some of the jobs. And I'm actually, you know what, I'm going to, well, not, not now. I will show some more examples since this is kind of messed up. I need to fix this. But of, of the kinds of jobs that you get that are DEI focused. Now, I want to I want to 
show you what this says up here. Okay. It says, colleges and universities that posted these jobs want you to know they are seeking a diverse workforce, okay? And are actively recruiting candidates in accordance with diversity, inclusion, and equal opportunity policies. Now, notice that the website itself has omitted the word equity, regardless of the fact that any and all of these universities who are making this de designation don't have diversity, inclusion, and equal opportunity office. They have diversity, equity, and inclusion offices that may be housed in an equal opportunity office, but they're distinctly different things. And I, and I point this out. I point this out here. And it must be noted that instead of employing the word equity, the emails use the term equal opportunity, despite the fact of what I just said. The reason for this is incredibly transparent. Equity and equal opportunity have proved to be to have diametrically opposed definitions, regardless of the fact that the word equity still graces all the doors of these places. And the word equity is the hardest for them to defend. So what they do is now they're conflating and flipping again the the terms equity and equal opportunity as if they have the same definition and they do not. And I think the both the website and probably the universities have done this on purpose now. So we've seen a shift. It's a, you know, equity, they try to really push the word equity as meaning the exact same thing. And I think they're losing that battle. Because again, equity has a legal definition that is markedly different than the word equal opportunity, especially when you're talking about the law. And again, critical race theory came from critical legal studies. Kimberly Crenshaw, who invented the terms, a lawyer. She worked with uh, Derek Bell and all of the, this is birthed out of critical legal studies. And they know, as she know, knew as a lawyer, that all law is built into the definitions of words, even when you sometimes have to make sure, or I think all of the time, when you go to a civil litigation, the judge has to agree to the definitions of the words that you're using in order to make a correct ruling. It's something that happens at the beginning of each process. You saw Katanji Brown in her hearings talking about this, and this is why she wouldn't define the word woman, because it's it's where she fell back on the legal apparatus was because to define the word woman in that moment for her might limit her in the future to change that definition in any specific legal case. And when I say change it, the judge gets to decide what the word means in that legal proceeding. That's part of what they do. The Each side will pre, you know, present words and terms and, and how they're going to be used throughout the course of a trial or uh, litigation in general. And the judge has to approve that because those are the legal terms. Those are the legal definitions that the judge will have to make their ruling on or that they'll have to give to a jury to say, this is what this word means in this context. 
and you have to make your 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 judgment jury right they have to have to present their verdict based upon these definitions that's what allows them then to go if they're going to be appealed on the decision to go and, and do that right so because of the word equity being largely shown to be completely different than equal opportunity. They've taken that word out and now they're leaning hard on the term equal opportunity, which has a codified, well, yes, it's a codified definition when it comes to the law because the Civil Rights Act of 1964-65, it's something we all know, is that you get an equal opportunity to have a, a chance at a job in whatever institution that you're applying for, in this case, higher ed, right? So because of this, they've taken that out and put it in equal opportunity, and now they're leaning hard on the word inclusion because it's it's the other most accepted word in, in the moniker, right? Because they've tricked you. Again, just like they did with equity, they tricked you with the legal definition as compared to the colloquial definition of the word inclusion. And so I'm going to lay this out again, that to give you just a little bit more background of the word includes or inclusion means, according to legal scholars. And this is includes. Looking at this graphic here, I just want to show you. To confine within, to hold, to contain, to comprise, to comprehend, to contain. This is from the American Dictionary of the English Language, Noah Webster. This is 1828. Okay, well, let's move forward, right? This is the Black's Law Dictionary, 6th edition, Inclusio Unis Est Exclusio Alterius, Doctrine. So the word inclusion or include has an actual legal doctrine that undergirds it. The inclusion of one is the exclusion of the other. Express description is irrefutable. Omission, exclusion. Omission slash exclusion is intended. And to go down, there's a case cited. This is from 1911. Okay. This is a Monticello Salt Company versus Utah Supreme Court. U.S. 452, 1911. The United States Supreme Court stated that includes and including are terms that do not enlarge but limit a subject of lists of items. That is the definition that they are using in this term inclusion. And they're leaning on that because most of the population now is just taking their word for their definition or the, taking their implication that the word inclusion means they want everybody in. And that's not what it is. They actually are using it to exclude those who they don't want in, in favor of those who they do, which is the definition of discrimination in this case now in hiring. So the simple de designation of a job posting as inclusive of one group designates that the job posting is exclusionary of another group, whether or not the outgroup is clearly defined. So it is a preemptive strike, a, a preemptive strike on equal opportunity, even though they include that word in this posting. 
they are discouraging people who do not agree with this ideology from even applying for the job in the recruitment from websites like higher ed jobs. And I, I just want to go back up here and just read this again for everybody. This is at the top of the diversity and inclusion email sent from higher jobs. The colleges and universities that posted these jobs want you to know that they are a diverse workforce. Okay. They are a, a diverse workforce. Now that means in terms of your immutable qualities, right? That's what they're leaning on. And are actively recruiting candidates in accordance with diversity, inclusion, and equal opportunity policy. What they mean here is diversity, inclusion, and equity. Because you didn't see these kinds of specific emails going out to people before 2020 defining jobs that are, or sending out jobs that are explicit in accordance with this ideology. This is a preemptive strike on academic freedom. This is a preemptive strike on a diversity of thought in the institutions. Every single job, every single job that is put out under this moniker, under this list, which again, there are many, many of them, states that if you do not agree with diversity and inclusion and equity, you need not apply. Not for these jobs. And that, I believe, not as a lawyer, but just as somebody who can read is illegal discrimination in recruitment and hiring. Political, viewpoint-based. Discrimination, publicly funded institutions putting down a mandate of who they're going to hire in their jobs at the very beginning of the recruitment process. It is akin to saying, we do not want this identity group here. We do not want this sexual orientation here. And I know I, I, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who I'm going to give a shout out to, and I hope listens to this and is, is paying attention because he hit me up on Twitter asking for more information about this. I have days and days and days worth of emails, dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens worth of emails for different jobs all over the country in higher ed that shows that they were doing this. But this statement right here shows that the universities are making this designation, not the website. Because again, the colleges and universities that posted these jobs want you to know. They want you to know. That's what the website is telling you in every email they send out. So I know that... Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy has talked about in his book, Woke Inc., the need for protections at the higher ed level of, of not being discriminated against because of your political views, which is a freedom of speech issue. But this is a specific political view designation. This isn't just a broad brush, 
right? It's not like, okay, well, uh, we're going to discriminate against you because you have a whole body of, of weird conspiracy theories listed to your academic output that make you unhirable. No, this is saying if you do not agree with the anti-racist notion that you should support equitable policies, which means creating policies that discriminate against other people on the one group of people on the front end to create more of an outcome at the back end for your desired group. If you don't agree with that, then you are not hireable in this job. That's what this listing is telling you. So I believe this is a big deal. I really do. I believe this is a, a giant find for starting to beat back what is absolutely against Martin Luther King's vision of judging people by not by the color of their skin, but by the content of character, but also not by their political viewpoints on one specific issue that seems to govern all policies and all institutions. But especially on a college campus, because you're supposed to explore ideas, this beats back. This beats back what the university is designed to do, which is to argue, which is to find the truth, not your truth, which is to argue what the truth could be based upon evidence and differing viewpoints. If you have to subscribe to this political ideology in order to get a job or to even be considered for one, the courts need to recognize that as a form of, of, of discrimination in hiring. They have to recognize that. And to all of the lawyers out there, please educate me if I'm wrong here, but I, I, I don't see how I would be. I don't see how this should be allowed and discriminating against people against you know because of who they sleep with should not be allowed. I, I don't think that should be allowed. I don't think you should be able to discriminate against somebody because of who they sleep with or because of the color of their skin that should absolutely not be allowed it should not be a, what also should not be allowed is discriminating against somebody because they don't believe in marxist identitarian policies and leaders and they don't believe that they should implant that ideology into everything they teach why why would that be allowed it should not be allowed and this is how they are now, ensuring the purity of higher ed education institutions. And again, these are the institutions that train your teachers, ladies and gentlemen. These are the institutions that train your teachers. Those teachers are going to go out and train your students whether it's a private school or a public school, they're going to go out and be the administrators and set the policies. You get where this goes? Do you understand? And this is what makes me so furious about the red state response, specifically here in Oklahoma. You have this group of people just pushing, using CRT, using this whole ideology as a mode to push things like school choice that will not fix your problem. Not when every teacher is being trained to do this, and they're being trained by teachers, professors who were vetted 
even during the recruitment process, down to the point of the job listings coming out of your websites like HigherEdJobs.com. It's it's insane. Republicans, conservatives, you have to get out of your mind that because you've been successful over the last 20 or 30 years operating under a system that was largely much more fair than what our system has turned into over the last three years, that you know what you're talking about because you do not know what you're talking about. So either you are facilitating it unknowingly or you're an active participant at this point. Because if you are pushing a thing like school choice, and I'll talk to Corey DeAngelis, I'll talk, I'll talk to Trent England, I'll talk to anybody at OCPA. If you're ignoring the actual problem, if you're constantly focusing on two-year-old issues of individual teachers doing the wrong thing in their institutions, at the expense of going after the people in power, like the president of the university and the board of regents at your colleges for allowing it to happen and putting those teachers in that position in the first place, those teachers and the students, those professors, you are a part of the problem. Wake up. The dogmas of the quiet past are not suited to the stormy present. You do not have a bead on what is happening. When is the last time you were in a college classroom? When's the last time you were in a K through 12 classroom, most of you? Decades? And you can call me crazy. You can call James Lindsay crazy. You can call any number of the other professors, Brett Weinstein, crazy. But you're not helping by moving the conversation towards a fix for an issue and taking all the political capital and righteous outrage that comes from the queer theory movement and the critical race theory movement that has stirred that up in parents and pointing it towards a fix that will only, I believe, make the problem worse until you fix the woke teacher pipeline at the universities. And if we can't do it at in Oklahoma, at the University of Oklahoma, what hope do we have to do it anywhere else? What hope? Charles Nagy was at the University of Central Florida. And he got fired as a tenure professor for tweeting out common sense. Something has to be done. They are doing this at the very apex of the relationship between a professor and any higher education institution. Because I guarantee you, even those jobs that are not listed and come out in this email are asking for DEI statements. I would say 99% of them that are not being hyperbolic. So either you don't care Or you think you're smarter than you are. Or you think that you have a bead on it. Or you're fighting a 30-year-old issue 
to, to you know, one of your pet projects that you never got to get done that you thought would have helped. Get over yourselves. Get over yourselves. You're wrong. You're wrong. School choice won't fix this. The only thing that will fix this is holding the people accountable, your college presidents, your board of regents, all of those people. That is the only thing that will fix this. And I, you know, I didn't mean to get upset, but it's a, it's an upsetting situation to see institutions in this country that are billing themselves as conservatives, that are billing themselves as the right, embrace companies like Google and, you know, Panasonic battery companies that all have it, are servicing the E and the S in, in the ESG, DEI, CRT push, and then coming out to claim themselves, you know, the most conservative people in the country. They don't need your guns if they have your children. They don't. They don't need abortion if they have the capacity to turn your children into Marxist identitarian activists. They don't. Because why would they kill people if you believe that the abortion is murder? Why? Would they want to limit the number of people being born if they can just throw them into schools and turn them into woke activists? You had teachers just recently leading marches of students to leave the school during the day to protest abortion. If you think that they're not going to do that with any other issue they see, you are insane. You are living with your head in the sand. And I've already seen charter schools and private schools being taken over because the administrators, the counselors, the teachers are all trained to do this at the university and none of you will touch it. None of you will go after the the leaders who are actively doing this. Well, that's all I've got to say for today. If you like the information I'm bringing to you, if you like the content that I'm bringing to you, please like and subscribe. Share these episodes. Let people know what we need to focus on because if we don't focus on the right thing, we are going to lose and it's not going to take long. They're 60 years ahead. So please like and subscribe to the Unawokable podcast channel. and. Join us later on in the week. We're going to have some, got some good interviews coming up that I think you're going to be excited to hear with some people I think that you may know. So check that out. And just remember, just like I have always said, they don't need your guns if they have your children. Don't get distracted by the big shiny thing. Focus where we need to focus. Let's do that work. Thank you guys. And I'll see you again soon.